0: You're listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Let's just be clear about the starting point here. You want a great marriage and you don't know how to get there because things are bad right now. So we already know that. I mean, otherwise, you're not likely to be listening to a podcast titled Save the Marriage. So you want that. You want a great marriage. Things are not good right now. But, and this is the big one, therapy doesn't seem to work real well. We know the statistics around that. You have probably heard me talk about it. I'll talk a little bit more about that today. So what do you do? You know it needs attention. Therefore, you've got to find another way. Now, let me be clear from the outset. I always, whenever I talk about marriage therapy, I always get a few emails from some therapists who are offended by what I say. So let me be very clear. I'm not opposed to the idea of therapy. I am clear about the results of therapy, the statistics behind that. Now, I was trained as a therapist. I still am a member of the largest uh, marriage and family therapy organization. My wife is a therapist. I have friends who are therapists. I don't have anything against therapy, but we have some root problems with how we address a marriage in marital therapy. That's my problem. If you're not familiar with the facts around therapy, I'll tell you the facts by telling you a story. So I had a woman who called me uh, just earlier today, which is what led me to do this particular episode. And this person was telling me all about her marriage troubles. And so we went through and talked about some, some pieces of the puzzle for her, some understanding. I was trying to get her up to speed a little bit. So at the end, she said, "Okay, so could you recommend a therapist for me? Now, I had already walked her through the facts and figures around that. And she says, "Okay, so could you give me a name? So here are those facts and figures I'd already told her. Of the people who go to therapy, and this has been true across many different studies, there are some slight variations on uh, what statistics, but the statistics show, and this was all put together by John Gottman in one of his works, 50% of couples still get divorced after going to therapy, which is the exact same number in the general population. Not only that, but only about 15 to 20% say that they got any benefit from therapy. So just for a moment, think about it. You go to a doctor's office and the doctor says, hey, you need to have this procedure done. I got to tell you, though, 50% of the people who have the procedure done die anyway. Oh, and by the way, only about 20% show any improvement. I mean, that's a hard sell, right? And yet after we talk through what was going on in this person's marriage, after we talked about all of the facts and figures around therapy, this person turns to me and says, so could you recommend a therapist for me? Now this is on a phone call and I had to tell her, hey, I don't keep track of therapists all around the world, not even all around the country. And not only that, but no, I'm not going to recommend it because that's not where she is in the process. There are times when I send people to therapy, but I'm very selective, A, about when that is, and B, where they're going to go. I'm just not going to take it on myself to recommend the therapist, because here's a little secret. As much as I have some good friends who do therapy, I don't know how they are in the therapy office. (laughs) They're good friends, but I don't know how they do therapy. And so I happen to know that even people I don't know anything about, I don't certainly don't know how they do therapy behind closed doors. So here's the thing. Again, I'm not opposed to the idea of therapy, but here were the problems for this person. The first big one, and this is a huge one, her spouse wasn't ready for therapy Her spouse wasn't interested in working on saving the marriage right then. Her spouse wasn't seeing a way to do that. So what she was going to be doing was arm-twisting and trying to convince and, and try to talk him into going to therapy with her hope, and I know this little hope that's out there, that the therapist will somehow get through to him and convince him to work on the marriage. So let me tell you what really happens. You take this person into therapy and they finally relent because they don't know what else to do. So the spouse goes in but isn't wanting to work on the marriage. And then in the conversation, the therapist doesn't have any magic on how to convince somebody uh, to stay in a marriage. So the therapist is trying to listen and here it is, your spouse convincing or trying to convince the therapist that there's nothing that could be done. So in the process, all they're doing, instead of being convinced otherwise, is they're working to convince themselves all over again on accident. So you're actually getting them to reinforce their belief that nothing can change. That was problem number one. Problem number two is I have no idea who to recommend this person to where she lives. I don't keep a track. And so I wouldn't know the right therapist anyway, but that is the question of What's the right therapist? Interestingly, we live in a psychologized world. I mean, just look around and notice how many people talk about seeing their therapist and how many people read self-help books and go to different seminars and we are so entranced by psychology. And I include myself in that. I've been a part of the psychology world now since college. So I see myself in that world. But we are so convinced of that that it's almost a knee-jerk reaction where we say, hey, do I need to go to therapy? And there are some things that therapy is great for. If somebody wants to go to individual therapy to figure out what's going on in their head, please find a good therapist and plug in. If it's couples work... That's the danger point. If one person's not ready for that, as ready as one person is, it doesn't help if the other person is at all hesitant or resistant. I even make it a rule in my own coaching with people that I won't get on the phone with a couple unless both people are in agreement that they are going to work on the relationship. I didn't say save their marriage. I didn't say stay in the marriage. They don't have to commit to that, but they do have to commit to be working on the relationship. Otherwise, I'm going to be the person who is expected to convince somebody that they should stay in the marriage. That's just not going to go. So the first big problem we face with therapy is forcing a spouse to go who's not ready to go. It doesn't mean they won't ever be ready, but they're not ready then. The second thing is you got to find the right therapist, right therapist for you, both in terms of the personality and the approach. Now, this is a dirty little secret of the therapy world. There are lots of people who do, and I put it in air quotes, marriage therapy, that that's not what they were trained to do. They were trained to do individual therapy and they are probably great individual therapists. But there is a different, a shift, a different framework, a mindset, a shift in understanding and approach that has to happen in order to work with couples. And people who are trained as individual therapists don't understand that. So when you walk into the office with somebody who sees couples but was trained as an individual therapist... They have to figure out who the client is. They forget that it's the marriage that's the client, and so they're working with these individuals. So that's a problem. We have lots of therapists who are doing marital therapy without the proper training to do marital therapy. They've got the training to do therapy, individual therapy, and they can do marital therapy according to most states' laws, but that doesn't mean they're trained in it. It's not doesn't mean they have an approach to it that makes sense they're just taking their individual approach and working with a couple. That's a disaster. It's kind of like going to a doctor for one part of your body when the doctor's specialty is another part of your body and they don't know how to translate over. So if you have a bone issue and you're talking to the heart surgeon, could be a great heart surgeon, may not be able to do anything for your broken bone, for your issues with your bones. So just to understand that there is a different approach that's necessary. Not only that, but there are a number of different approaches in marital therapy. So even if they're trained in marriage therapy, you want to understand what their approach is. I personally, as a coach, work on a connection model, an attachment theory connection model, And I also work on a self-expansion growth model. So I'll pull those two together. Knowing this, the connection is the lifeblood in a relationship. And part of keeping that circulation going is our own expansion and growth in life. We sometimes stall that out. So I continue this conversation with this person, and they're trying to convince me that they need to go to therapy. I'm not going to be convinced of that. But what she was looking for was the plug-in. We live, as I said, in that psychologized worldview that thinks the therapist is the answer to the problem. And I know that because of how many times I have this exact same conversation. We talk about the dangers of therapy. They've heard me talk about that. They've seen me write about that. They know my feelings about that. And then they ask whether they should see a therapist or not whether they can go see a therapist or not, and who would I recommend? Now, again, while I'm not opposed, that's not a piece of information I can do because generally when they're coming to me, that's not what they're ready for. So then we have this question of what are the expectations for going to therapy? So first of all, dragging in a spouse who's not ready to be there. Second... We have therapists who are often not equipped to deal with a couple. And third, we have expectations that are not clear for the couple. What are they there for? When I was working as a therapist in a therapy office, people would come in and they would tell me with great confidence that they had communication problems. And so they would want me to help them with their communication problems. Now, just a little secret They were not having communication problems. But that's some easy, low-hanging fruit for people to address in the office. You can talk about iMessages. You can talk about clarifying language. You can talk about clearing conversations. I mean, there are lots of places that are interesting to talk about, but it doesn't get to the root of the problem. It just happens that that's a pretty good place for people to dig in and spend some time. Because that's what people ask for. They have an expectation of improving their communication. They can have an expectation that maybe they'll lower the conflict in the relationship. But again, that's not really the problem. Conflict and communication are the red herrings of the whole issue. It looks like that, but it's something else. So when they have these expectations that can't be met in therapy, that's no surprise when we have these results we have from people spending just session after session trying to get to a better marriage but using the wrong approach. That really is the the sad part of this. When people are wanting to go to therapy, they sincerely want to find a way to save their relationship. They don't know what else to do, and so they do what our culture talks about, find a therapist. So what's the real issue? Well, if it's not communication, what is it? Part of it is about perceptions, how we begin to perceive each other. That's what I talk about in my system, that the perceptions get formed in the disconnection. So let's first talk about the fact that connection really is the issue. Behind that, everything else is kind of the symptom. So when we're disconnected, our communication is not real good. You You think about somebody that you're not connected with or that you have a bad connection with you're not going to have great communication with them. Have you ever gone to maybe a family event where it's people that you don't see very often and you realize you just really don't have anything to talk to them about because you have disconnected from their life or you're not connected to their life? Same thing happens in a marriage. Couples get disconnected and not even sure how to share their emotional content with each other. And so communication gets bogged down, but it's not because they can't communicate It's because they don't have the connection necessary to do it. Add on another piece. When we're disconnected from a spouse, where we're supposed to get all this connection, where we're supposed to get that nurture in our life, that's actually very painful. And scientists will show that it actually activates the physical pain part of our brain, meaning that when you're heartbroken – it really does feel physically heartbroken. It feels like something in you is broken. There's a physical response to that level of pain. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but when I hurt something, the last thing I want to do is bump that hurt place. You know, sometimes I'll I'll hit my knee in something and then I'm really tender about anything else getting close to it. When we have a painful place on us, we don't want it touched. So if your connection is painful with a spouse, no surprise that you wouldn't want your spouse to touch that space anymore. That, the connection would be too painful. So here's the sad news. Our spouse is usually seen as being kind of the enemy. And because of that, communication gets to be strained. And what I've realized is that rarely are they really enemies. And by the way, when they truly have become enemies, they're probably not going to move much towards saving their relationship. When they're hurting, though, and they can feel like they're enemies, it often happens for one very sad reason. They hit the pause button on their marriage. I've talked about the pause button marriage, many times, written about it because it's such an overwhelming dynamic in our life. Most of the time, people don't get into marriage trouble on purpose. In fact, I rarely see it. A couple of times I've seen people who were uh, narcissistic or kind of psychopathic people that caused pain in their marriage, but everybody else, and that meant the majority of the people I've seen, they did it without meaning to. Somewhere along the way, they forgot to stay connected. They hit pause. Maybe it was the kids, maybe it was the career, maybe it was something else in life, but they hit pause, thinking they would come back to the connection later on. But marriages don't do that. Marriages are either growing or receding, like anywhere else in life. So when you think you're putting it in suspended animation, it's actually receding. And that's where the trouble ends up happening. The damage is done. The circulation is broken there. And because of that, the perceptions begin to sour. And because of that, the communication gets to be strained. So you have to have an approach that allows for healing and measured connection, particularly when a spouse may not be ready to move forward. So after having this long conversation with this person, she finally said, okay, if you're not going to send me to a therapist, what do I do? Strangely, she was talking to the person that created the Save the Marriage system, and probably no surprise to you or to her, I said, I think I would get my system. Start with that. Start with getting the basic understanding of what happened in your marriage and learning some skills in bringing that connection back into being. You're trying to restore the relationship while you're also working to find your own place of growth. In fact, if I boil it down, there are only three things that you have to focus on when you're trying to save your relationship. The three things, connect with your spouse, change yourself, create a new path. Now, those are big three, but you can keep your eye on those three things. And so that's what I teach in my system. How do you connect with your spouse? How do you look at where you've fallen short and begin to change yourself? How can you begin to understand the new path of your relationship, the path to being a we? When you put all those pieces together, you get to the place where the connection is healed, where their communication begins to improve naturally because the perceptions have shifted, because the connection has grown. The other piece is to grow, to be willing to grow. And one of the things that won't work, no matter what you do, therapy or my program or any other thing, is if you're not ready to grow some. That's what life is about. We're on a growth process, no matter what we do. I had a chance recently to interview uh, the author of the book about being a beginner, And Tom Vanderbilt, uh, in my Thriveology podcast, talks about the importance of beginning, but what he's really talking about is the importance of learning, of being a lifelong learner and grower. So you're here because you already have that as a mentality, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to something about how to change something in your life. The fact is that underneath it all, we're all people of growth. Sometimes we miss it, though. It's what I love about podcasts. You can plug in and learn something new just by listening in. So now you're at the place where maybe you're seeing the same thing that this person on the phone was seeing, that you want to change your relationship, that you're ready to do that. Maybe you realize that therapy isn't the approach for right now, at least, isn't the approach for right now. And you're wondering where to go. That's when I hope you'll check out my system. It's the Save the Marriage system. You can find it at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. When you go through the process, do a couple of things. One is to grab my free week of the VIP program. I don't force you into it. It's completely free to join that for that week. We give you the whole week if you want that uh, to try it out, to get the extra resources to figure out how to create your plan and everything else you need. You don't have to do it. I just would recommend it. Uh, It's the time when I offer it for for that free week, just trying to make sure you have the skills and, and tools that you need right off the bat. And also you can sign up to meet with one of my coaches for about a 15 to 20 minute get started session. Again, you don't have to, that's up to you. It certainly can help you in the process. We put all of that in because we want to make sure you have everything at your disposal to make a shift. Now that shift does have to be measured, but we want to make sure you have the tools to make that. So if you're ready for that, head on over to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. If you decide to do therapy, do a couple of things for me. One is make sure that you both are on board with the process. Two is to check out your therapist to make sure they have the training to actually work with couples. And you can even ask about what type of approach they use and, and how they have had success in the past and who their a client is when both of you come into their office and see how they answer and see if that fits for you and also be clear about your expectations for what each of you are wanting out of the therapy if you're going to use that process at least give yourself the fighting chance to beat the odds and make it work but if you're not clear that you're ready for that please check out my system at savethemarriage.com that's savethemarriage.com. this is lee Balkum, wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.